Yeah, right. I'm, I'm good. I've been recording. So, oh, wait, what the hell now. is this now? Close. Oh. oh, okay. No, it's fine. I have two audio tracks open, and one of them isn't working, and it's because I have it set to mono now. So it's like, I guess you're stuck with this crappy version. <laughs> so, so for the bad news... Um, which is actually kind of good. so. I uh, I actually did start editing Kronk's New Groove like a month and a half back. But here's the thing: my computer turned itself off and updated oh. without my consent in the middle of me working. Okay. Yeah, that's not good. And that was about oh yeah, that was about three hours of work just gone. And I tried to recover mm. it, and there was nothing. Yeah. That reminds me of what happened with me. Uh, I think you probably saw me ranting about it uh, when I lost all my writing for two weeks. I believe so. Yeah. So that was fun. Sounds sounds like a lot of fun. So you you're basically at uh, back to the starting point with Kronk's new groove then. Yeah, pretty much. And the the infuriating thing was like I had. It was the one time in like the last month and a that half you, like I think had it's time been now, to do it. Yeah, that I had time to do it. And that's my funny because that's couldn't finish updating exactly what happened with my with my writing stuff. I didn't even lose that much stuff, but I had like it had only actually been a few hours of work, but that had been because I I'd only been able to get in a few hours of work in two weeks. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's even that. It feels that could a lot be worse. worse. I'm I'm still really salty about that though. So I might edit this episode first and put Kronk's new groove on the back burner, mostly because I did listen through our audio once, and we we didn't. <laughs> that's what I love Kronk's about that episode, though. Like, um, I think I think I I will I will edit it and I will push it out, but I think I might make it like a very truncated like 45 minute thing i mean you do you i wanted to i wanted to float and i <laughs> i wanted to oh i loved i loved all the happy bits i feel like the happy bit should be floated in there all of us like don't no, we don't need to talk about the bad <laughs> movie the we bits. can talk about the good movie <laughs> um i did want to float an idea past you and it's something i came up with in the shower yeah no hit me with it like three weeks ago okay. And it's, um, basically the idea is, like, so I don't know how often you listen to, like, more indie podcasts. All podcasts are indie, but you get it. I mean, I listen to right. 19 podcasts But week, have you so. ever had one like ours that just suddenly didn't update for, like, two months? Uh, yes, actually. I don't like that. Um, I like it when they at least produce something. So my idea was, uh, if we have time, we can do it today and if we don't have time we could do it at some other point but to record like maybe like an hour of bullshit and then this could be like stuff that i edit (laughs) because i think i generally have more free time than you and also i don't think it'll matter as much as if i fuck this up as much as it would be the bigger ones and just like make like little 10 minute episodes to put up like on off weeks you know yeah, that 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 might be good just cuz especially since I didn't I knew that my school week this semester and this year actually was going to be like hella hectic. But what I didn't expect was how 
how little time I have to do anything. Like, and I, I think a big part of it is I forgot that the, the number of things that I actually do um, when I'm in college as opposed to in the summer where all I have to worry about is like one jo- a job that I have. Speaking, uh, speaking of hella hectic, how is your, how is your terrible, terrible body treating you? Uh, yeah. it's treating me well now. It's, um. It stopped fighting. But no, I don't want to talk about We just that. won't. We just won't. That's, <laughs> we won't do that. Oh shit. Yeah, that's right. Well, we haven't started yet. No, we so. haven't, but I feel like we should sync um, so we can start. Okay. All right, then let's get this, let's get this rolling on three. Three sync. Wait, 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 wait. I don't know if no? you cut out or if you did, or if you just did the most obnoxious thing ever. Did you just say three sync? <laughs> what? What happened? I just then? heard on three, three sync. No. <laughs> no, I did cut out. I cut okay, out. Okay, good. I, I counted through. Because <laughs> I was like, "Wow, what a piece of shit!" Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, let's uh let's try that again. Okay, um internet gods on 3 1 2 3 sync. sync. All right, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try to hit you with something uh and you can tell me you can tell me if I sound excited or if I sound sad or tired or sullen. Like get all these fresh takes. Okay. This this is gonna be great. I have always wanted to be a director. That was a lie. I don't know why I said it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I actually did uh, used to want to be a director at some point in my life, but those days are behind me. Okay. And welcome to Direct to Video, a podcast where we review poor. Review is a Re- weird word. Is it? Review. Review. It's a, okay, it's kind of a weird word. Is that exactly, is that exactly what you, is that exactly what you say in the original? Yeah. Okay. A podcast where we review. That is like a little tongue twister. That is such a yeah, slight tongue. And I hit it so good when I, when I listen to it too. Maybe I enunciate better when I'm tired. It's, it's not, it's not bad at all. It's like just exactly in there. I don't know though. I think that's the best way you're going to be able to take it, because I don't think there's an easier way to say where we review. In which we review. <laughs> if we want right. to be... Right, if you want to sound like an English major, which if you do, that's I mean, I have, fine. I have one friend who does linguistics, so I feel like, you know, I could shoot for the moon there, but I also don't want to sound like... Yeah, because like, we but... kind of, um... We don't exactly come off as excessively classy <laughs> in the podcast I f- proper. I feel like I feel like um, there are moments of classiness that we exhibit. We sure we're like a sure sure, but then we talk about how Kronk like dry humps a woman. That was so weird, though. I don't uh, want to think about this movie as anymore. As they make bread, I pushed that movie out of my mind a month ago, and I'm gonna keep it there. Ah. Uh. Whenever somebody, like, whenever I think of that movie, that's the scene I think of. And it's nuts. Yeah. <sighs> I can't believe you watched that three times. I Yeah, that was, that being my third time. Oh, fuck. Jesus. Okay. Okay. Hit, hit me again. 
Welcome to Direct-to-Video, a podcast where we review poor sequels to great movies. Oh, that was a, that was, that was a great, like, uh, movie <laughs> announcer voice you put yeah. on there. Timber in there? Like, yeah. Welcome. It's good. I like it. All right. I'm going to keep that one then. Okay, but do another one just for safety. Just for safety? Okay. Just for safety. Should it's, I do it? I should do this do one different things. I should uh, pull out my Mickey Mouse impression that I've been... Yeah, just... Oh man, I think that would actually might that might get us into trouble. If yeah, it, yeah, it like def definitely definitely would okay. actually. Um, does I don't think Disney can copyright the way a character sounds though. No, they probably can't. If you don't say, "Hey, fellas, I'm Mickey Mouse," I feel like I'd be in the clear if I didn't say that. Yeah, you probably. What if I'm like? You probably would be. What if I'm like, "Hey, fellas, I'm Ricky Rat," but the same voice, <laughs> like, "Hey, I'm." No, then we're it's not. Parody. Wait, stop. We're not having. If we're going to have a um, a mascot, it's not going to be Ricky Rat. I mean, I was. Hey, man, I was under pressure. All right, you come up with something then. I mean, it's. I don't know what the name would be, but it's definitely just like a, an actual VHS tape with like uh stick figure arms and legs, right? That's. Sounds creepy as sin, so no. <laughs> okay. Um, um, well, we don't need. Do a you want to move on, I'll or do you want to do your safety one? I'll do. I'll do a safety take. Okay. Um. <laughs> Welcome to Direct to Video, a podcast where we review poor sequels to great movies. Okay, I think I like the first fast. one better. But yeah, that one was a bit fast. Well, whatever. But now we have them. Yep, they're there. And half of slow it down, fix it in post. God no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm understanding now how hilarious "fix it in post" is as a joke. Because no, no, you won't. I'll nope. It's not well, worth there's... it. <laughs> See, that's why. That's why I want to be put in charge of the like five minute episodes. Because like, well, <laughs> this is can't do anything wrong here. <laughs> Hey, they're just weird, like, three-second pause. Yeah, but it only happens once, because we only talk for five minutes, so. (laughs) I feel feel a pause could be good, though, if it emphasizes a good punchline or just a good joke. Yeah, but a lot of podcasts do have a problem with pauses, because actual conversation has pauses. Yeah. And, um, but it's weird when you're just listening to people talking. There shouldn't be anything there, you know? I think... Because pauses exist when we're talking to people so that we can give them time to interject if they want to. So when you listen to a podcast and there are pauses there, you want to interject with their opinion, but you can't because they're not real. Oh, you know? Shandy, I'm real. No, I mean, like, the conversation isn't real. It's not a conversation. Like, this you're is not a conversation. In a group. You're hurting no. me. <laughs> no, uh, what I'm... Uh, Welcome uh, to what the Rick's video, a podcast where Andy hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Andy Reyes, a professional shitbag. And I'm your other host, Tony Robusto. And, um, I just need a second. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you're, you're gonna start crying a lot, a lot more <coughs> once we get to the, the movie in question. <sighs> I have a confession. Um, yeah, confess away. The Fox and the Hound mm-hmm. did not make me cry. 
Yeah, it's not a sad. It's not as sad of a movie as a lot of people think it it is. Um, but a lot, people remember it being a lot sadder though. Yeah, because it's not. It's definitely not a happy movie. No. Uh, there's not a lot in this movie that happens that is happy, but it's not like straight tearjerker either. It's a very melancholy film, which is yes. weird for a Disney kids movie. And I'll say this though. Um, the animation and specifically just all the backgrounds. Yeah. They're just they're just so beautiful that it kind of doesn't match up with the melancholy feel of it. Yeah, this this movie is in such a weird place. Um mm-hmm. both in terms of like its its story and also just the production leading to the story. Are you going to give us production background again? I am because I I know about the production background of this movie. Okay, let's do it, because I'm kind of into it. So, um, so The Fox and the Hound is based on a book, which, if you haven't read it... Wait, 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 let me guess. Is it The Fox and the Hound? It is. And that book is depressing. That book is very depressing. It was read by um, a fellow by the name of Wolfgang Reitherman. He he was uh, one of Disney's animators. And after he mm-hmm. read it, he brought it to um, the production house and said, I want to make a movie out of this. So here's, a th- here's my question. My first question right off the bat. Why don't more people have the name Wolfgang anymore? It's just a great name. It's fantastic. Okay, so he wanted to, uh, he wanted to make this Fox and the Hound movie because he loved the book. He did. It, it was, it was pretty much, uh, his pet project. Almost the entirety of the book was scrapped and only the core premise was preserved, which is this being a story between a fox and a hound named Todd and Copper. And they wanted it to be kind of a, coming-of-age story between these two characters, which I think this is the first... This is the first Disney film that I can think of, and I want to say it is it is the first Disney film in which we meet characters at such a young age and then meet them again once they've actually grown into adulthood. Quote-unquote adulthood. That's interesting. Is this is this where that first kicked off? Well, what about Bambi? Oh, that's right. No, Bambi does it is too. Is this one older than Bambi? It's not, No, right? it's not. Bambi's no, no, it's first. not. It's not. Bambi was way earlier. Bambi was way earlier. Right. Walt Disney was still alive when Bambi yeah, was Yeah, Bambi's made. like a 50s movie. Yeah. God, yeah. Bambi... Okay. I haven't seen Bambi in so long. But Bambi feels newer than, I think, The Fox and the Hound. I don't know why. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. I'll say that I'll, The Fox and the Hound looks old. But I don't think... Yeah. I don't think it's because it looks old, old... The animation it's probably bec- it's probably because it's newer, but still like a few steps back from what '90s Disney was doing, you know. And so it just feels a little bit older to us. Wait, yeah, definitely. Well, and that's the thing is, um, Fox and the Hound was still it was kind of at the end of the era of Disney animation where they um, switched from the old paint on glass method of animation. Mm. I forget what this new method that they were using was called, but it basically allowed the, in, the painters to paint directly onto the sketches that the animators were making, which gives it oh. kind of a more fluid and sketchy feel. I'll tell you what, uh, the first thing I notice about the Fox and the Hound 2, no subtitle, is oh, that it just doesn't look like the Fox and the Hound. Yeah. For it's... that reason, I think. Yeah. It, it looks, it looks good, though. Yeah, it's animated well. It's just not animated in the same way, and it's sort of blatantly obvious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I think we'll talk about that once we actually get to The Fox and the so, Hound 2. But, um... Yes. So let's let's do The Fox and the Hound 1 still. 
the, this film was a lot was the end to a lot of things for Walt Disney Company. First off, okay. even though it was Wolfgang Ratherman's pet project, it was actually one of the last projects he ever worked on. He got into um, multiple fights with a lot of the younger animators and storyboarders over the production of this movie. And at one point, he walked into his buddy Steven's office, who was one of the younger animators, and he told him, uh, maybe, maybe animation is a young man's medium. And um, I, I believe... Four four years after the Fox and the Hound came out, he died in a car accident. Ugh. Yeah. So just to so, bring everybody down. Yeah. So Wolfgang Reitherman, and he was actually one of uh, one of Disney's nine old men. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was this was his last big production. Yeah, it would have had to have been, huh? Yep. This is uh, this is uh, very depressing. Kind of a downer for the start, but that's okay because yeah. the movie kind of starts as a bit of a downer. Yeah. So to continue on then, um, halfway through the production of this movie, upstart animator Don Bluth mm-hmm. and 16 other animators quit and asked not to receive screen credit for this film. Whoa. Yeah. What did they so hate about this movie? They found this movie stale. It's not that they hated it. They just thought it was below them. Um, a couple of years later, he uh, opened up his own animation studio down the block and across the street. Are you going to say it was Pixar? Don, no, no, it was Don Bluth Productions, I believe. Okay, Pixar's later then. Yeah, yeah. He went on to create An American Tale, Land Before Time, Anastasia, a lot of other kind of the big not Disney movies that everyone thinks is a Disney movie. Right, and we're probably going to have to watch Anastasia too, and probably at least one of the Land Before Time movies. So you, you should think about this, man. <laughs> Okay, definitely. Like, this is kind of me foreshadowing. Podcast foreshadowing. Is that a thing? Podcasts can foreshadow. Writing and movies don't have the monopoly on foreshadowing. (laughs) What are they going to do? Stop us? I don't fucking think so. They don't have the nards. (laughs) The nards. That's a word I don't hear often, and for good reason. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, just to bring up the atmosphere a little bit after those two kind of really downer facts. Mm-hmm. But I did say nards, so. Yes. Yeah, good point. Nards is a very, it was a word. It's a word. <laughs> I was going to say funny, but it's not funny. It's just a word. The A lot of important people worked on The Fox and the Hound as being their big animation debuts, including John Lasseter, who went on to work for Pixar and direct mm-hmm. Toy Story. Glenn Keane who was one of the premier animators in Tarzan and has pretty much touched every amazing 80s and 90s Disney movie. Tim Burton, of all people, worked uh, wow, did some Tim animation Burton. for this movie. Yeah. I guess I, I guess I kind of didn't know that Burton was into animation. Yeah, that, he, he started uh, as an in-betweener for animation, mm-hmm. and he went on to become a director. Okay. Brad Bird, who went on to direct The Iron Giant and The Incredibles, worked on this film. Right, and that is at least... I mean, you told me that The Iron Giant's, like, your favorite animated movie, right? It's one of my favorite. It's not my favorite, but it's up there. It is it is definitely one of my favorite Superman movies of all time. Right, that's what I think of Hercules as. Another big thing that changed in this movie was this was the last Disney movie to not have credits. Closing credits. Yeah, I noticed that, and you know what? I hated it, and the reason I hated it was because there's a very dramatic scene at the beginning. It's a fox running away from gunshots and dogs. 
but over that are a bunch of credits and it's like i don't i am removed from this movie right now yeah the the intro to this movie and i think i think they might have done that on purpose they don't want the kids to focus as much on the tragedy that's kind of in front of them you know what that's not a that's not a bad reasoning and as an opening to a film it is definitely a lot more interesting than a lot of other films that have slow crawl credits like that mm-hmm. <coughs> peter pan <coughs> yeah where it's just let's slowly pan over nothing happening while these names pop up at you yeah and like so. the worst children's choir sings a song oh god that's right <laughs> Oh, and this movie did really well for Walt Disney. It had a budget of $12 million, and it made $14 million domestic, $39 million overall uh, on its opening. Oh, not bad. I did not know... I didn't know this was one of the money um, money making Disney movies. This this was this movie was the end of kind of this era of Disney, and the Black Cauldron kind of ushered in a bit of a down wave in movie in movies, and then the Renaissance started later. Nobody watched the Black Cauldron, but it was a good movie. I wow, I disagree with you, but I don't want to talk about that. You don't like the Black Cauldron? I did not. I hated it. I thought it was awful. Did you Did you read the books? No. Okay, because I I bet a lot of people hated it if they read the books. I thought it was good. I mean, it was kind of stupid, but it was good. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It just, it wasn't for me. Okay. I mean, we're never, we're never going to have to have that conversation because nobody's made a Black Cauldron sequel. They were going to. The Black Cauldron was supposed to be a, uh... Probably a trilogy. The first in a trilogy of movies. Yeah, actually. Yep. They were going to do all three, but that did not pan out for them. That movie was, uh, to call that movie a flop would be understating it. That movie was a disaster. Well, because the thing about animation movies is they cost a hell of a lot to make. Oh, yeah. So you need, you need to, you need to make a ton. So yeah, so I think so let's get started talking about the fox and the hound released in 1981 This movie's melancholy as heck. Oh, man, because uh, you, oh, you mentioned yeah. it started off this with the hunting a... The hunting of the vixen Mm-hmm. Big mama who is a large barn owl. Yes, big mama uh, Are you sure she's a she's not a barn owl. Come on, dude. She is she barn not? Owls don't look she's... like that. She's like a great horned owl. Well, I mean, I don't know my owls. Barn owls have have round faces. Uh, she does live in a tree and not in a not barn. Read Guardians of Gahul. No, I didn't. I did watch the movie though. Do you remember? Do you remember that movie when that movie came out? I do. Yeah, I never saw it, but I used to read the books. It's not great that movie. They they were good books. It was basically um, a lot of Star Wars tropes, like a lot of Star Wars storytelling tropes, but owls in like a post apocalyptic all humans are dead era that's weird so what i noticed one of the first things i noticed about uh the fox and the hound was the beginning feels a lot like bambi first because first because todd's mother gets shot and then second because there's big mama the ever watchful owl who reminds me of what's his name from bambi who like announces the birth of the prince or something thumper and it just looks the same you know they're both they're both pretty heavy on woods yeah the junk like that it just looks like they are bambi. very different they they are very different parts of america though i i just i remember bambi feeling a lot more i don't know a lot more northern forest america versus this movie which is fairly southern well i'm just talking about like the first yeah i'm just talking about like the first five minutes and man did they drive home the southern and the second movie oh god yes but we'll get there we'll get there i actually i'm not only talking about the first five minutes 
I, I'm not only talking about the first five minutes because later when he's dropped off at that forest, uh, the uh, what do they call it? The um, the preserve. Yeah, the the game. There's a preserve. lot of like Bambi esque stuff that happens there. Well, I mean, it's having a forest. You know, there's only so much you can do. So the movie the movie starts off with Todd's mother, who is unnamed, dropping him off uh, near a fence post while she's being chased by hunters. Were hmm. was she being hunted by um, Chief? Or was this a different group of people? Nobody knows. Yeah. It ends with a it ends with a gunshot, but we don't know who's gunshot. Yeah, so a gun is shot. Probably and, um, though. Probably probably they don't hunt that close to the house. Yeah. Because they don't seem to. Especially with um Widow Tweed's habit of just um being incredibly aggressive. Yeah, she um she does not take any shit. She's a tiger mom. So Big Mama, who is a owl of some sort tony guesses that she was great horned she looks she looks great horned not as severe as other great horned owls look but yeah basically um finds todd along with uh two other characters who i don't remember yes i don't remember their names either i think one of them is boomer boomer yes one of them is boomer and i need to see if i have it written down because i found them fascinating um for the reason that they were dinky Huh? Dinky. Pinky? Dinky. Dinky. Dinky and Boomer. I found them fascinating for the reason that they were Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, definitely. They were, like, they were definitely they were, that. They were like proto-Timon and Pumbaa, and it it made me think like young, young Todd was like young Simba in this, in just the few scenes that you see them all in together. And yeah. if it wasn't for that caterpillar that I wished they had gotten... <laughs> Uh, yes, Squeaks the Caterpillar, who gets his own credit in the beginning of the movie. I was so tired of that stupid <laughs> Caterpillar. You didn't um, like that bit? No, here's the thing. If it wasn't for the Caterpillar, they could have been really cool, interesting characters, like Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. But they, but every scene they were in, they were just chasing this Caterpillar. When yeah. did they eat? I don't think ever. I think maybe they never ate because their only meal kept running away. <laughs> but it's a I so you mentioned that they were very proto Timon and Pumbaa characters, but the thing is is Disney's always had this kind of dim-witted duo in a lot of their films. Okay, uh I take exception to calling Timon and Pumbaa dim-witted. I mean, you how can you take exception to calling them dim-witted? Because Timon isn't dim-witted. He's more like ignorant but acts like he knows everything. And Pumbaa, and Pumbaa is a savant. He looks up at the stars as a pig and is like, those are balls of gas burning millions of miles away. Yeah, you gotta put your behind past you. You gotta put your behind in your past. Come on, Andy, I know every line from that movie. <laughs> the The point I'm trying to make is, is uh, Disney's very fond of having these... Usually a pair of characters, one of whom has a big booming voice and the other whom has a small squeaky voice, having their own shenanigans. You know, you see them in the Aristocats with the two dogs. Here's the thing, I don't remember anything about the Aristocats, so well, that's, you're gonna that's, have to pull you out don't, something else. I, you don't have to because I remember everything for you. All I remember is I believe song. in The Lady and the Tramp, when the lady is in the dog kennel, there are two dogs who sing with about the tramps kind of shenanigans. Okay. I believe that. Sounds like something that happened. There well, in The Lady and the Tramp, isn't there a Scotty and like a Basset? Yeah. No wait, maybe. There's like a there's like a Basset who can't smell, right? That I think that's it, yeah. 
Yeah. And, like and then in Scotty 101 Snow. Dalmatians, you have uh, the two dogs who initiate the night howl. Okay, if you say so. All I remember about the night howl is every dog in the city starts howling. Yeah. Um, the two dogs that help initiate it, there's this little uh, little scamp dog and then a much bigger booming dog. Okay. And the big dog's kind of just like, oh, don't worry, I got it. And he just like lets out a big old like, and then the little dog's just like, it's a great scene. That, that sounds like a great <laughs> scene, actually. Um, well, and we'll get to you'll get you'll know you'll know it when we get to um, hundred and. That's funny two because, and I don't think this is entirely because I just love the Lion King, but I do feel like Timon and Pumbaa might be the pinnacle of that because I don't think there have been a lot of duo. They're the most memorable, that's for sure. Of duo characters since then, except maybe in the Princess and the Frog. But I wouldn't say those two are themselves a duo. They're just, they just both happen to be sidekicks. There's a gator and a, yeah, uh, firefly. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call them a duo. They're, and like even in, uh, God, oh my God, Mulan has this exact same trope with, um, well, it kind of has that trope because only one of them talks. True. But I, I'm just like, I'm just realizing now that Disney's really fond of having like the two dim-witted sidekicks. But... Yeah, Disney likes its sidekicks. Also, you can't call oh. Mushu dim-witted either. He's just bad at everything. I feel like I can, Do though. You think... <laughs> I, you're very I, I unforgiving just... with the idea of that somebody's just, dim-witted. They're... I just, I feel like that's what they're going for, if anything. Okay. But my... My my ideas aside, so yeah, the boomer who is a woodpecker, Dinky. Who Although is a I tiny have to say, I mean, I'm jumping in again. Bird, Creaky's not dim-witted. That little cricket's practically a genius. I mean, I mean, he doesn't even want to be there. He just keeps getting dragged along. He promises he's lucky so he doesn't get killed by a dragon. Like he's Yo, he's like point. the he's almost like the hardened criminal in the group. The first time you see him is in a cage. I, okay, I wouldn't. I feel. I feel like. I feel like you're. Uh, you're stretching it a bit. Allow me to stretch I apologize. This a bit. It feels good. I apologize. I listen. Yeah, you want to just get your podcasting legs up and out of the driver's seat, stretch them out a bit. So they all hatch a, a plan to get Todd adopted by uh, the nearby farmer Widow Tweed, who is this very kindly old lady. Right, but not that old. Um, like fifties, maybe. Yeah, I'd put her. I'd put her in her fifties. Um, like maybe sixties. Well, probably 50s because she works on a farm so all that stooped stuff's probably just hard living and this is so this is to me where the film run in, runs into what i believe is its okay. only problem where widow tweed adopts todd and starts feeding him out of a bottle and at the exact same time uh her neighbor amos slade who's a hunter comes home and tells his dog uh chief that he has a surprise for him and pulls out a little uh hound puppy and then it makes that howling like, this sound, is copper and... which is not like... I said to myself, that's the worst sound. And it's not really true. It's just that I live next door to two beagles. So it's like... The most yeah, adorable but they're puppies so loud. in the world. It's just the worst sound that I hear literally yes, yes, every day. It's not the worst sound. Okay, go on. Yeah, so from what I can tell, they are both very young. But then in the next scene... Copper is just running around and talking, and so is Todd. And I don't get an idea of how much time has passed. Obviously not too much time, because they are both look the same. No, not even. They actually both look yeah, a bit bigger. Yeah, I think bigger. they look a little bit bigger. Maybe a few weeks. So yeah, like... Because of how animals yeah, age? Yeah, some, some, <laughs> right. some time has definitely passed. 
And that's the only issue that this movie has is when time passes with the like even when they do the montage of seasons changing, it's your brain doesn't quite track exactly like, but exactly how long has it been? Because it feels longer right. well, than what they're telling us. Where it's very significant that a winter has gone by, specifically a winter. Yes. And I think that's the most important keeping track of time moment. Yeah. I'll tell you one of my issues. And this is this is because I walk dogs. Okay. Okay. Those dogs are on such a short leash. They're like not they <laughs> they like don't come into yes, the they house. Are. They live in barrels. They must get exercise when they're out hunting, but it's not like that doesn't happen every day. So that is a bad I, way to keep I think it dogs. does actually. Do you think it does? Okay. I believe so. If it does, then it's probably okay. But from some of them, it looks like he just leaves them out there all day. From some of the scenes, it looks like he just leaves them out there all day. And that's just not a good way to treat an animal. So, like, you're not supposed to like Amos. I also did not like Amos because, like, this asshole can't even take care of his dogs right. Yeah, he's... Amos is very much a huge dick in the entirety of this film. He almost never acts rationally at all. But Copper and Todd start playing around with each other after they meet. And then the and then the one song in the movie plays. The one song in the movie yeah, plays. Big which Mama is a very depressing song. Yeah, that that song is uh, amazingly beautiful. Like it's a beautiful song, but like the entire premise of the song is these two kids are so naive they don't realize that their world is going to tear them apart when they grow older. Yeah, I hate that song, and it's not because it's a bad song. It's because it's like I can't listen to that twice in a row. And jeez, it's, it's pretty heavy. It's yeah, it's it's haunting. It's very yes, haunting. It's that's a good way to describe it. So Slade um, gets frustrated with Todd. Sorry, not Todd. With Copper for running off to play with Todd so often, so he decides to put him on a leash as well. And when Copper goes to free him, he wakes up Chief. Todd goes to free him. I said Todd goes to free him. You said Copper goes to free him. I'm gonna write on this piece of paper. Todd Fox. Sorry, keep going. You're about to describe the no, you're chase good, you're scene. Good. Yeah, so this this chase scene is um, wonderful. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> the result of the chase is basically that uh, Slade vows to kill Todd if he ever sees him going after his chickens again. Right, and let me break down some stuff about Amos here. So, both of his dog, No, not both of his dogs. Only Chief. Chief and his chickens escape. And in response, he goes to hunt down a fox. He's like, this fox is the reason they escaped, which is nuts because he should go catch his chickens and dog. But he goes to hunt down the fox from a car, and then he shoots at another car. And then when Widow Tui pulls over, he is casually sexist about it. Incredibly. Yeah, and it's like... Like, he... It, it makes it feel really good when she shoots his car. <laughs> oh, that felt so nice. I, I was, like, cheering her on, like, yes. In fact, that's that's pretty it. much the one thing I remembered from this movie as a kid, where she shoots his car and, ju- and then just goes, well, now it ain't loaded. I was like, ooh. <laughs> that's such a good scene. So Slade vows to kill Todd if he ever sees him again, and then um, once winter rolls around, him... 
Copper and Chief go on a long hunting trip where he hopes to teach Copper how to become the best hunting dog there let me, is. Let me, uh, let me put in two of my notes about this particular winter fiasco. One. You got it. There is a scene with, uh, with Dinky, Boomer, and the Caterpillar, uh-huh. wherein whoever is writing this movie did not bother to look up how electricity works because those birds were not grounded. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that stupid caterpillar doesn't die and just flicks on and off now. Um, and also, I just put this one note in because I'm a little bit curious about it. And it's, I wonder if you can actually train a dog to hunt a fox after it's befriended a fox. I mean, I feel like you can. The dog's only job is to get to the thing and then howl. Yeah, you might be right. Um, I just, I... I honestly, I'm curious, like, if a dog lives with a cat, will it, like, mangle another cat? It probably would. I mean, it's not like the cat that it, it's not like every other cat is that cat. I was just, just kind of curious, sort of a thought experiment. I think you're probably right. So, after the long winter, Copper grows up, and so does Todd. Yeah, they're both big, and and everybody's, everybody's talking about how big they are, how great they are. Yeah, pretty much. There, there's, there are multiple scenes where um, pretty much everyone's praising Todd, and meanwhile Copper just gets to sit yep. in the front of a truck. That's one of the, th- that's one of the things that I like really didn't like, and sort of an over overarching thing about the movie. You know what? I'll save that one because it works better if I mention it at the end. <laughs> so, just a quick side note, by the way, Copper is voiced by Kurt Russell. Oh, really? Yes, and I just wanted to mention that because I believe it's important to to recognize whenever Kurt Russell is in your life. <laughs> Listeners, stay vigilant as always. <laughs> so I'm I'm here to let the to let the audience know whenever a voice actor of note is in one of these movies, I... like Kurt Russell. And trust me, there is someone equally amazing in the Fox and the Hound. Too. I did just notice wait. Piglet uh, in the Fox and the Hound. Yeah. He was uh, the hedgehog later in the movie. Uh, And only after doing a few of these podcasts have I started noticing classic Disney voices in Disney movies. Yeah. Everywhere. They're everywhere. Especially during Mm -hmm. this era. So Todd goes to talk to Copper and Copper's telling him, hey, you know, I'm a hunting dog now. You're my prey. This isn't going to work out, but we can still be friends. Just also never talk to each other. At which point I'm thinking... Oh, I'm sorry, why don't you tell me what you were thinking, and I'll tell you what that made me think. Because, you know, that made me think that Copper really didn't want to be friends with Todd anymore. Here's the thing. So Todd goes, we're still friends, aren't we? And Copper says something like, it's complicated now. And here's what I think he really meant. I've killed most of your extended family. Like, do you have any idea how many fox necks I've snapped? Yeah, because they've just been struggling teeth. after they've been shot and somebody needs to do it. Like, that's what that's what I was looking yeah, at. It's... And I was thinking, wow, he's probably killed a lot of foxes and is pretty uncomfortable with this conversation. But while they're talking, um, Chief wakes up and starts howling over for Slade and a big old chase happens again. Um, but this time, uh, Todd runs over to a rail yard and hides beneath some well, wood there, while well, Chief there runs is past. A, um, there is a, a shorter part of the scene before that, that I wanted to mention. There's this great dark mirror yeah. of... So the scene where Copper originally tracks down Todd is all lighthearted because yeah. they're puppies. 
Um, and there's a there's a really good yeah. dark mirror of it where he tracks down Todd here, but it's to kill him, and he has to make the decision: Do I lead them to him, like is my job, or do I keep going? And he lets him go, and then Copper mucks it up accidentally, his escape, and Chief finds him again, and Copper decides to run across the rail line bridge. Okay, and an oncoming Todd train. Is the fox, though. Todd is the fox? Did I say copper? Yeah, you said copper like three times. God damn it. Oh my god. Disney, you need to name your animals with names that are are not hard to... I don't know why this is so hard for me. Yeah. I'm just gonna... And also your female leads. Come on, Disney. So, there's an easy way for me to remember this, actually. So, Todd mucks up his uh, coppers, letting him go a bit, and Chief catches him again. He runs across this rail line, uh, and a train... There's an oncoming train, Mm -hmm. and... Todd, being a small fox, just kind of ducks down the wood line, but Chief, who's a big old dog, gets hit by the train and fall flies off the bridge. It's very dramatic. And this is my second issue with this movie. Are you, are you going to tell me that you're... I think, I think that Disney should have killed the dog. Wow. Wow. Be- because the next series of scenes makes no goddamn sense because... Copper understands more than anybody what Chief does to animals that he catches. Yet, and he's mad at Todd because Chief broke his leg and vows to kill him. You know what? That's a good point. Because when I was watching this, I could not remember anything about this movie. And I saw Chief get hit by a train. And I was like, what the fuck? They hit a dog with a train? And then like in the next scene, as Amos is yelling, it's like casually revealed that he's alive. Yeah. Because they don't, they, you don't, you're not sure he's alive at the end of that first scene because he's moving, but it could be the, ow, yeah. I've gotten hit by a train, I have about 30 seconds left moving, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense, actually, because, right, exactly how badly do you need revenge over something you're gonna get past in a month? Yeah, Six it's weeks. like, and, okay, there is a point to be made that you know when an animal breaks its leg that could be that could be the end of its life for a lot of them like there's a good chance that chief will never recover and he will just be a mangled dog for the rest of his life and that is very tragic but the thing is is like as a kid i don't know that like as a kid it's just like this dog broke its leg and copper is vowing to kill his best friend forever over that and like i get you know it's the heat of the moment and you think maybe Chief might die, sure, vow death against your friend all you want. But once you realize he's going to be fine, maybe leave a little note for Todd somewhere saying, hey, said a lot of (laughs) things last night, some of those things I regret. Just want to let you know Chief is fine. I got a bit heated. I'm not, I don't actually want to kill you. But no, he just, he wants to kill him. Amos Slade goes and bangs on Widow Tweet's door saying, I'm going to kill that fox. Mm. I'm going to kill him. The moment he leaves this house, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And Widow Tweed's like, well, shit. And then she makes a decision that I cannot get behind because she has raised an animal all of its life, which means for all intents and purposes, it is not a wild animal anymore. And basically the worst thing you can do to a creature that's not a wild animal is let it free into the wild. I, I would agree with you, but studies have shown that domesticating animals is a multi-generational thing so for all intents and purposes todd still has those instincts and his body is still trained to react a certain way even if he didn't grow up 
I'm not in so that environment. That's entirely true because there's so much learned stuff though, and like you know, he gets to the forest, he doesn't know how to find a place to sleep and stuff like that, and the and he does end up surviving because he's friends with Big Mama, so he's fine. The other, the other, well, the other big thing is like Todd might not know anything about the forest, but the thing is, is the forest he is in is isn't just the wild it's a game preserve it's a national basically a federally protected zone to just right, let animals but, live i mean foxes have predators that aren't just anus not and really a hawk can pick off a fox if it's really hungry uh, yeah if it's really hungry but you know i think i think the decision is still sound because it's i think it would be better for the fox for her to let it go rather than to keep it cooped up inside of a house where it's just gonna go crazy yeah you might be right while while your crazy neighbor stalks your yard with a shotgun, mm. hoping to shoot it the moment but it comes I out. have, I will say uh, one more time just to push my own point. So around here we have the Metro Parks, which is just a really good state-funded park service. And in some of these places, they would have uh, sort of not exactly zoos. They would have like a few cages with a few animals in them. And there would be animals that you can't really see yeah. at zoos because you're not allowed to keep them in cages. But these animals would all have like one wing or something. And there were there were a couple of birds. Yeah. I can't remember what kind of bird. There are a couple of birds that they had been born there, so they were never going to be released into the wild because they just didn't know enough. Because you know, if uh, yeah, I remember watching a video like this. Uh. If an animal is born, you don't uh, in captivity, then you want to convince it that it's not in captivity because you don't want it to be friendly to humans. I specifically remember a video yeah. with a baby panda where these people were just dressed up as pandas, taking care of it because that's yeah, that's like their only that's option. Interesting. But anyway, that's that is very regardless of who's right. Todd ends up in the in the game preserve where it's raining it's very sad um there's a there's another song that is, is sung really? at this point I, I don't remember it that starts yes because it, it starts with widow tweed uh, oh thinking about this poem about how much she loves todd and how how happy they made each other and how how much she needed todd mm -hmm. as much as he needed her for where she was in her life and then after she thinks this poem, a, uh, like a kind of a group choir starts singing her poem in a very, it was a very beautiful And also a very sad song. Like again, yeah, there's no uh, happy songs in this movie. We never get the Hakuna Matata. This is just the layback. This is going to be the easy song. You keep, okay, you keep referencing It's because I love the Lion King, King Andy. <laughs> That's understandable, but I am I am trying so hard over here on my side of the mic not to just talk about how amazing the Lion King musical is, which I got to see I not three like days ago. I feel like we should save that for our new special direct-to-video DVD extras. <laughs> yes, that is the perfect name for what, for what those are going to be called. DVD extras. Oh man, I'm so excited to talk about it. But anyway, yes, more foreshadowing. Yeah. So what are you gonna do about uh, it, Hollywood? Todd ends up spending the night. All right. <laughs> Todd, Todd ends up spending yeah, the night piglet. with the porcupine. I'm sure the porcupine has a name, but it's Piglet. And is and is woken up the next morning. It doesn't actually. It's just a porcupine. The porcupine accidentally wakes up Todd, and Todd gets into mm. some shenanigans with the badger, and gets told to go home. And Todd is just really sad. He's really sad. Meanwhile, Big Mama's trying to find Todd so that she can, like, help him adjust to living out in the wild, because he's never done that before. 
And she ends up finding Bixie. Which I just realized now is like the lamest name. Yeah. Well, Todd is, I believe, male fox in some language. I don't remember which oh, one. okay. But Todd is also like a variation of fox. It's just not as obvious. So Vixie is a female fox who also knows Big Mama somehow. Apparently Big Mama just Big goes Mama on. knows everybody. Okay. And Vixie to and and Vixie to put it in very few words is pretty much DTF. Yeah, yeah, actually. She uh Big Mama mentions like, Oh, I'm looking for Todd, who is a fox, who is around your age, I guess. <laughs> and Vixie's like, Oh really? Yeah. Um, I guess there starts kind I of guess preference. maybe there aren't a lot of foxes on the game preserve and she's yeah, she's immediately just like, I'm gonna help you find him. He sounds great. It's like, girl, you don't know, you just, you only know this guy's name. You don't know what his deal right. is. And he's got, here's the thing. His courting of her is the worst. He's, he is he, the worst in that situation because he's just gotten over the worst day of his life and she's close enough that he can blame it on her. Yeah, which he makes all the mistakes that you can think of making on a first uh, impression, which in which he puts on this kind of like gung-ho, hey, I'm the best facade, <sighs> brags about being able to do something that he cannot do, tries to do it, fails miserably, then blames his failure as well as all of his other failures on yeah. her. All within the span of like three mm-hmm. minutes. He does, he does bad. He, he, he breaks bad. Um, and she still goes for it. Like that still works somehow. Because, well, to be honest, Big Mama gives him a bit of advice. I do not remember her advice, but if it wasn't get over yourself, then it wasn't exactly right. It, it was something along the lines of get over yourself and be yourself. Uh, I like, I and like then, Big Mama. You know, she's so wise. She's very wise, which I mean, she is an owl, yeah. a talking owl. Disney has a lot of talking owls. Sorry? Nothing. Sorry. I just... Nothing. I was... realizing that Disney has a lot of talking owls. Yeah, I just had the thought that I can think of three off the top of my head, and there's probably more. (laughs) Huh. One of them they had to have, because, you know, Winnie the Pooh, uh... Yeah, owl is a major character. Sometimes. Right. In, In some... In some stories, he's a major character, and some he's tertiary, or not there at all. I, I love Owl and Winnie the Pooh, though, because he thinks he's wise, and so does everybody else, and he's not. That's my favorite thing about him. Uh, he's great. Um, as as time goes on, I, I I hate Rabbit less and less, because I see more of myself in Rabbit. Rabbit becomes more and, every day. more and more reasonable when you're when you start to grow up and you think, well, I wouldn't want a bear to come in and eat all my honey and get stuck in my door. To be fair, Rabbit does make the best of it, uses him as like a coat yeah. hanger. Paints a smiley face but. on his butt. <laughs> oh, those movies yep. are great. So, so after, after a second attempt, Todd and Vixie just hit it off and they love each other very mm-hmm. much. And they go to bed together. In the little right. den. And this makes the next scene uh, more powerful because suddenly Todd has something else to lose. That's right. Because in the next scene, we see Amos and Copper breaking into the game preserve. And Copper's tracking Todd and they eventually set up uh, bear traps near the mm-hmm. waterhole. And then they wait. And Todd wakes up and him and Vixie are walking around. And Vixie has accelerated their relationship from... I just met this guy too. I think having six little fox babies would be perfect. Okay, here's the thing though. She is a fox. They don't have a lot of time. They're working on a different schedule than what we're working on. I understand, but I just, I feel like, 
I don't know. It's still weird to me how quickly, how quickly she went from like not knowing a guy to just like, you know what? Although to be fair, Todd is a very healthy quote unquote, big, handsome fox. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I hate to bring it up like this because it feels like Uh it's demeaning the character, but it's not because I think it's what they wanted to get across. She's definitely in heat. And they, I mean, I wouldn't they, say that. They definitely yeah. just doinked. I don't think so. You don't think so? so? Okay. I don't think so. Well, they possibly just doinked. And, possi- and possible she's thinking about it. And when an animal is in heat, they don't have sex for pleasure. They have it to have babies. But, yeah, she's she's definitely, like, ver- planning very far ahead. Meanwhile, Todd's just like, you're amazing. I'm not listening because I'm so caught yeah, up by you. Todd, um... I think he might be a terrible boyfriend. But he's but he's got pretty eyes, so yeah, that's fine. He, I guess. I mean, that's all she wants out of him, I guess. He's the uh he's the quote-unquote strong female character. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. He's the uh he's the manic pixie dream boy that changes her life forever. Oh man. Hey, we don't know. You know, maybe the Fox and the Hound too should have been about Vixie and the things that led her to that, to just be sitting near that I pond. kind of would have loved the, to, for it to be like a How I Met Your Mother spinoff. I, I, I would have, I would have liked Fox and the Hound 2 to be about Vixie. Not because I didn't, we're not going to talk about Fox and the Hound 2 yet, but they introduced a lot of new characters that I had no reason to give a shit about. Yeah, but we'll get to that. Let's just, let's just finish this one up. So, and we're almost done. Because, so, Todd and Vixie make their way to the watering hole, and Vixie immediately is like, yo, wait, something's up. There are, like, no animals over here. And Todd's like, ah, pff, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll go first, and then I'll let you know if everything's okay. I will okay. make a note here to continue an argument that we stopped having. Obviously, he doesn't know how to live in the wild. No, no, I, I understand completely. <laughs> okay. But I'm just saying that Widow Tweed also made the good choice. I don't know, man. She could have moved. Uh, I mean, maybe. I don't know if she could have, man. Maybe, like, if that's her husband's house, like, she she's not going to leave. You think she wants to live in that big empty house? I think she loves... I, I don't think she's afraid of it. Okay, give me a bit. Sorry about that. No, it's, it's fine. The door was creaking and I, I was getting chills. So Amos Slade put down some bear trap. And Todd, on his way to the waterhole, manages to miss every yep. single one. And then, when Amos Slade and Copper start barking at him and shooting at him, as he runs out, manages to trip all of them but one and not mm-hmm. get caught. Good on you, Todd. You're Yeah, you're I just learning. have one note here. It's, in a movie focused so much on hunting, animals sure can't catch anything, can they? Because they worked hard. And that just wasn't happening. So the, the, the chase is on, and now Todd and Vixie are both trying to escape Copper and Amos, and Todd thinks he gets the runaround on them, and they go back to their den, only to have Copper show up and start very viciously, like, digging at the yep, hole. Copper, Copper's done with this shit. And, at, and there is a point in which Todd actually, like, starts fighting back, and also looks very frightening. Yeah, I thought that was a real interesting sort of art idea, to make it like both of your leads, now they're wild animals, you know? I really liked it. It was very cool. Amos, being the brilliant asshole that he is, goes to the other exit to the of the den underneath this tree. There's always more than one, and he knows that. And starts setting it on fire. Yeah. Yeah. As an, well, he's been hunting for who knows how long. Exactly. And he smokes him out. 
Except with Copper's teeth at one end and fire at the other, Todd decides to make the choice to push himself and Vixie through the flames. Right, which is a bold move. It's a very bold move. Um, 10 out of 10. He totally makes it work. They're good dogs. And they get chased. As they get chased up a hill, um, Copper tells Vixie to go one way while he diverts them toward a waterfall. Okay, but Todd does that. Sorry. God (laughs) damn it. Oh. So, uh, so in like Todd, three more episodes, Todd, this uh, this podcast is just going to be me correcting you on names. I'm going to get flashcards next time. You know what? I'm going to get flashcards. I'm just going to have all the characters that are important posted up on the wall in front of me with strings that are colored that signify their relationships to each other. Sure, you're going to have a crazy murderer uh, wall. A conspiracy theory board, yeah. Right. For but every Disney, Disney characters. Um, and they're all going to point to a vaguely Mickey Mouse shaped silhouette with a giant <laughs> question mark over it. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> in this scene, Amos compares himself to the devil. Yes, he does. And he somehow does not realize, like, he's not self-aware enough to realize how absolutely destructive he's being to everything around him, including himself and his dogs. I, yeah, he's, to call him a flawed character implies that there are perfections somewhere. He's all yeah. flaws. Like, the one good trait he has is he loves his dogs. Mm-hmm. But the way he shows that uh, is by killing foxes, so it's not, like, great. Yeah, he's still a very destructive person. Because he loves his dogs when they're killing foxes, and he takes revenge on a fox when his dogs hurt. Like, that's not that's not normal behavior. Yeah. Copper, while Copper and Amos are tracking Todd and Vixie escapes, suddenly Bear. Mm-hmm. And this bear is the most frightening fucking thing. Yeah, that's a scary bear. And there's, uh, there's, like, this popular trope about using bears to up the ante. Like, if somebody, if you want to put your characters in trouble, and you want, without any explanation, for the audience to immediately know that they're in serious trouble, you put a bear in there. Just bear. Yeah, just bear. And that, like, that bear is frightening. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, if you haven't seen the fox and the hound in a long time... Go look at this bear. I'm like 90% sure that this bear is the reason I didn't watch this movie a lot as a kid. Well, that, whole, that, last, scene that is whole last horrifyingly uh, scary. That whole last scene's got a lot of scary stuff in it. But especially, also especially, um, Todd jumping on the bear. That was, that was kind of spooky. <laughs> like that whole thing was yeah. not right. Yeah, because all of a sudden now Amos and Copper are fighting a bear and Todd like caught between a rock and a hard place where he could he could escape but his best friend's gonna die he could help his best friend but his best friend also vowed to kill him so todd might not be a great boyfriend but he's pretty much the best friend anyone could ever ask for because copper was trying to kill him like 30 seconds ago and todd just immediately and but the thing is you know what is todd todd is the one who was like kind of he was the one who said we're going to be best friends forever like that's i think i think for Todd, it's more important that he be the best friend, even if Copper That's heavy, man. is in this bad place. And you're right, it would make so much more sense heavy. if um Ace died. Chief. Ace is Batman's dog. Chief. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes he is. Then Ace, Ace the Bat the Hound Bat comes Hound. in. Now this is where the movie loses me. Um, who are... <laughs> this yeah, so here's the thing, right? Is I was totally on board and then all of a sudden uh Crypto the Supermutt and Ace yeah, the Batman. Yeah, like, Crypto show up. shoots lasers at the bear and I'm like, "Okay, I did not realize this was a DC crossover." Yeah. Crossover <laughs> thing, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. So, 
So now, so Copper and Amos are fighting a bear, except actually Copper's fighting a bear because Amos gets his foot stuck into that bear trap, yes. Chekhov's bear trap that I mentioned earlier. And we were both very earlier. good at not mentioning what happened to the one bear trap. <laughs> he steps in a bear trap, loses his gun, Amos is out of the fight, and he's very worried about getting killed by bear. Copper's fighting a bear, but he gets a, beaten a bear. off pretty quickly, yeah. and then... But then Todd comes in, and Todd has this on lockdown. Todd might have never lived in the wilderness before, but he knows how to fight a bear. Because he just is all up in that, starts scratching at his face and eyes. Do you know why he knows how to fight a bear? Because of the widow tweet, I bet. <laughs> she was like, she took him out to her bear wrestling. That's That's what she did when she wasn't milking cows and making pie. So Todd... Mm. Todd manages to get the bear going after him, and then he tries to run across the waterfall to the log. Something happens, Or the bear throws him there. But the point is that the bear ends up breaking the log and falling down the waterfall, right? Yeah, so Todd and the bear pull (laughs) a Sherlock and Moriarty and fall to their deaths. (laughs) Except Todd, pulling the ultimate Sherlock, survives. And he comes crawling out of the mist... I'll say this too, the waterfall scene is kind of reminiscent of the train scene. Yes, there is so many, I think in any other universe where this movie maybe was Mm -hmm. produced with a lot less trouble behind it, this movie could have, can be used Mm -hmm. as a good example of antithesis in film, of just like, there are so many times when one scene and another scene are obviously made to look like each other so that you can be like, oh... There's a lot of good callbacks in, in this movie. Thematic irony is. No dramatically looking into reflections, but you can't have everything. Deception. God, that was in my head forever. <laughs> Piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So, Todd comes crawling out of the mist. He's super beaten up, but hey, you know what? He just killed a bear, right. so as far as I'm concerned, he's the ultimate badass. Amos limps over, um, and Copper walks over to him, and Amos points like, his gun the hell, at the fox man? that just saved his life. This is a broken human. Yeah, and it takes it takes Copper a bit, but eventually he decides to be like, you know what? No, no. And he stands in front of Todd and, and is like, if you're going to shoot Todd, you're going to have to go through me. Right, except he doesn't do that. Because he just gives him, like, dog eyes because he's a dog. Eventually, I mean, yeah, obviously he doesn't actually say it. But... Right, I'm just, just making... You were making the subtext text there, and I wanted everybody be to be certain that it's subtext. Okay, yeah, it's... He doesn't... The dogs do talk, but they it's like animal yes. speak when they, the, like, animals can talk, whatever. So, Amos gives up and is like, you know what, fine, let's just, let's just go I home. Was, I wasn't actually expecting this to happen, but I was in a weird way sort of half expecting Amos to quickly turn around as soon as Copper walked off and shoot Todd. <laughs> Boom. Done. End of movie. But no, so I I would have liked one extra scene to have been there in which Vixie goes to help Todd up because they just leave Todd lying in water. Todd's he could have drowned. Like he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He could have gotten picked up by a particularly hungry okay, hawk. So let me tell you about <laughs> the particularly hungry hawk. Let me tell you about what I dislike about the end of this movie. So there's that, and then there's the end scene where you see Vixen or Vixie and Todd, and they're like watching the farm, and you can see Copper and 
Oh, there's oh, there's also the scene where Amos is getting his leg fixed up by the Widow Twee, uh, because she's that kind of yeah. person, I guess, who will help someone she despises. I don't think she despises him. I think Here's she's just tired of his bullshit. In the, in the second movie, there was much more stuff that was like almost like shipping them, and I was not into it. I was like, "What are you yeah, doing? That's not their relationship." That's so weird. There's a crazy old man. There's a there's there's Woman's a crazy old gump, man I'll give a you hunter, that. and a crazy old woman who's like a hippie and like that's their deal they're not about to make out what are you doing yeah but so there's this very sweet there's a very sweet ending todd and cooper have proven that they're friends forever copper what did i say cooper okay todd and copper cooper's a decent name for a dog so is copper though Todd and Copper have proven that they'll be friends forever, but they will very likely never see each other again. Plus, Todd's got this Todd's very got likely. this family, and all Copper has is the old man and the old dog. It's like and that's But that's his family. That is his family. And it's just this is uh maybe something I shouldn't get too much into because it's almost like the plight of the modern dog. But like his family is kind of skeletal by comparison to Todd's family. You know, he's, he's basically, his know. family's basically I... two old guys, and Todd's got, like, you know, his is gonna get bigger. Sorry, I just got a text. No, it's fine. Didn't turn off your phone for the podcast. No, that's cool. Whatever. It's, hey, I didn't, people don't text me, okay? <laughs> like, I don't expect to get texts ever, so when every time I get one, it's like, well, shit. So, the, the one, the, the last thing that happens in the movie to me is like the thing that actually did make me cry. Because this whole movie, I'm like, you know what, this movie's sad, but nothing about it is sad enough to make Mm -hmm. me cry. Until the very end of the movie where Copper is lying down and all of a sudden you start hearing um, Todd and Copper's kid selves making the promise that they'll be best friends forever. And I don't... And I don't know why, but that hit me so hard. It was pretty rough, I gotta say. Like... You know how Disney movies have happy endings now? Yeah. That's like a recent development, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, this, I, cause this movie ends on like the most bitter, like this is the most bittersweet any ending can get where like they're never gonna be able to be friends together ever mm-hmm. again. That sucks. That's terrible. They're not gonna. Um, I still think Chief should have died, mm-hmm. but nine out of ten, like I, I didn't expect this movie to be uh, as good as it I was. I can't stand a movie that's so dark. Like, that takes itself so seriously. In in the way that this movie takes itself so seriously. In that you never really have that breather moment. You know, this is the scene yeah. that's just the happy scene. Everything is just leading up to the next awful thing. After the first, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. But, but... It, was, it was good. I'll say that. It was good, but I don't have to like it. Okay, and then... <laughs> so wait... Before before we move on to the Fox Nine on Two, I'm gonna take a quick break because I need to get a water bottle. Okay. And I say a quick, I say we're gonna take a quick break, but we're gonna I, take I a quick break. Just you just stay little, tuned. Yeah, like the, all the listeners gonna hear is we're gonna take a quick break, and then next right, thing. unless for some reason we leave the quick break in there like maniacs. <laughs> um, but I'll be right back. Okay. Oh jeez, I took the second while you were gone to look at Twitter and uh. It's debate night, and I'm closing it oh. again. <laughs> oh, mother. That's right, it's debate night. Oh, no. Yeah, somebody on my Twitter just tweeted, Oh, shit, I totally forgot about the debate. That could have been me. Uh, <sighs> okay, apparently apparently this debate is very boring. That just means that Trump hasn't done anything insane yet, which is fine. Yeah. 
Okay, like, you're not supposed to go there to be entertained. You're supposed to hear about policies. Yeah. Well, okay, so. Yes, if we could. God damn, my tweets are rolling in so fast. If we could so never fast. talk about election season, that would be just magical. Yeah, instead, you know what we should talk about? <laughs> I don't know. Is it a country western musical sequel? Yes, it is. A country western musical sequel. So, The Fox and the Hound 2 came out in 2006, and this is the Fox and the Hound movie that I, like, I watched this as a kid. I did not watch this as a teenager taking care of kids. You watched this movie as a kid? I I watched this movie as a kid. I had it on, I had it on DVD, and I would watch it almost every weekend. DVD, huh? Not VHS? VHS? VHS. (laughs) That's surprising to me, because I did not know that this movie existed. So, this is, this is one of the, if not the, I think it's not the last. It's not. So, this is... Oh, it's one of the last direct-to-video ones? Because this is when they started losing money on them? Yeah, this is almost there. Um, This movie had a budget of almost $24 million. Damn! It looks, yeah. it, it does look and it, it. I'll shows. say that. And it shows. This movie is animated very well. It's animated very well. They had a bunch of songs that were definitely written just for the movie and big names to oh, see yeah. them. Uh, Reba McIntyre's in this movie and Patrick Swayze in one of his final film credits. Oh, really? Yeah, he died three years after the release of this oh, film. I did not realize that. Just to bring everyone back Bringing down. Bringing everybody back down. Which is good. We're just going to be down here uh, from now on. (laughs) Down here. Down here. Why does does you uh, adding more timber to your voice make you all of a sudden more British? Um, I wish I could answer that question, Andy. It's just... (laughs) So, joining us also for this movie is uh, Jeff Foxworthy, who is uh, the epitome of country western comedy. Sure, um, comedy, end quote. Larry the Cable Guy was probably busy. Was this, was so this when he was for... big? Was he big in 2006? I, I, two th- I think he was. When did I Cars come in, out? I think this was, uh, you know what? Let me find out. Yeah, because he was big like probably a year or two before Cars came out. Uh, you know what? I just typed Cars in and I don't know why I just <laughs> Cars came out the same year. Okay, so yeah, I guess. So so he was definitely I guess busy. Lawrence was busy because he definitely wasn't turning down roles. <laughs> so... Whoa, wait a minute. Oh my god. What? What? I just realized that the main voice actor, the voice actor for um, Speed McQueen is Owen Wilson. How have I never known this? Oh, I didn't know that, but it's because I've never seen Cars. Because I don't hate you myself. You should see Cars. Cars isn't bad. Mm. It's also, it's just not good. Cars 2 is bad. <laughs> it is very not good. This is... Okay, fine. Um, so, so in this movie, in this movie, oh man, they're the first thing they do, pretty much, is to paint mm-hmm. Cooper as a failure. That okay, they don't paint him as a failure. He says he fails at everything. Like he's not good at anything. He says that, but he's a kid. That's the thing, though. He's in the first movie. You never got the idea that Copper ever really failed at anything. Like I don't. This is something that they placed on his character. Like you're a failure. You have to get over this by the end of the movie. To be fair, they placed this entire movie on a lot on all the characters. That is true. Except Big Mama, Boomer, and Dinky. Because they are nowhere to be found in this Which movie. Which hurts. Because they were awesome. It is 
They were so integral to Todd growing up, but this movie isn't about Todd. No, this is this is Copper's movie. This is Copper's movie, which is kind of weird because the last movie didn't feel like it was Todd's well, movie. except for one other thing. It's also not Copper's movie. It's a movie about a dog version of Patrick Swayze and Reba McIntyre. Okay, that's a good point. Dog Patrick Swayze and Dog Reba yeah, McIntyre, whose names are Cash and Dixie. Cash and Dixie. Which, and it's so weird because... It's almost like Todd and Copper are the backdrop to which their story gets told. But anyway, what I wanted to note is Copper goes, Hey, maybe I'll be good at hunting. And, um... (laughs) That was like... That got dark so fast. That is such a dark joke. And I want to meet the person who wrote that line and give them the biggest high five in the world. Because they are terrible and they know how to make me laugh. That's so awful. It's They should have played like an ominous thung <laughs> the moment he said that. So, so Todd and Copper are chasing a cricket. Yep, they go chasing the cricket. Well, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I think we have to talk about, don't we get a, don't we get a mirror of the chase scene? No, Not okay, yet. is that later? That's fine then. They're chasing a cricket. So they're chasing a cricket, and while they're chasing a cricket, Disney, apparently Disney sequels have a penchant for singing songs that are very on the nose, because the song that plays is called Friends for Life, which I feel like if you had watched this movie, and you had not ever watched the original mm-hmm. Fox and the Hound movie, this movie could be very cute, but having just come hot off the heels of watching <laughs> the Fox and the Hound, like, it's so weird to think that a, a couple of, like, not even a year after this, the events in this movie, these two characters right. are going to try to kill each other. And what we learned in this movie is that what they could have done is not been enemies and just they could have they could have run away with the single dog band and like that was always on the table apparently there's an alternate universe where copper like just became one of the biggest singing dogs in america and todd's which is apparently his entourage which is just great so this movie made me learn something about myself okay is this this move this movie is the reason I say Anturaji. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I've i been wondering for years where I got that joke, and it's from this movie. I think I said it in an earlier podcast episode. <laughs> Anturaji. That's so... It's not, it's not a funny joke by itself. It's funny that it has informed your life in that particular way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it so shook me. <laughs> <laughs> so while the while they're chasing this cricket, eventually Chief gets involved, and even it's like the it's like the people who storyboarded this scene were like, we're gonna take the chase scene in the first movie, and we're gonna up the ante so much yeah. because you know what? That last scene only involved chickens. This one, we're gonna get everyone in yeah, there: ev- the chickens, the cow, pigs. Yeah, everybody's in there. And the thing is, this is the second time. That means that twice, twice, Chief has just dragged his uh barrel behind him, which meant, which means that Amos has got to put up a goddamn fence because obviously the barrel thing doesn't work. Yeah, the barrel thing isn't working out for him very much. There's a wonderful moment in this chase sequence where if Amos Slade ends up with a bucket on his head on the back of a cow holding a shotgun in nothing but his sleepwear. And Chief, who is chasing Todd, both of them run off camera and then slowly walk back on camera to watch these events unfold. (laughs) That was actually, that was like a really funny moment. 
And my issue with every Disney sequel is it has to be, um, it can't be too totally different from the first one. But with this one, they immediately throw that idea out the window. They're like, no, this is a goofy sequel. This is, I think, the of, this is the first sequel we've seen, I think, since Pocahontas 2 that just embraced the situation that they are in, which is, we know this isn't going to be good. You said, you said the words Pocahontas 2 and a faraway smile appeared on my lips. (laughs) And I was just like, remember those good old days when John Smith was a ghost? Oh man, so this movie kind of keeps that, that level of ridiculousness that it sets up with this chase scene, and it keeps escalating. There's a dog with hair. Yeah, yep, Dixie's uh, ears are just hair. That that made me so mad. <laughs> I was like, I know she's a girl dog. Why can't she be a girl dog with just like girl dog features? Why can't she look like a dog? Oh yeah, no, even uh even the older dog, uh Granny Rose, has like a bonnet on so that you know. Yeah, it's This is a girl okay. dog, by the way. So obviously after this chase, Copper gets tied up to the barrel and then um Amos and Chief go off to the uh go off to the fair, because the fair's in town, and they're gonna go and join the hunting competition, which Chief has gotten fourth place, and he really makes it adamantly clear that they don't just give those fourth place ribbons to anybody. And I'm not real sure what the joke is there. I think I guess it's, it's just, just that. I guess it's just kind of funny, but it's it's like fourth place is still enough to kill a fox. Yeah, right. <laughs> like he's still. That's the thing is a lot of these jokes are like a lot of I, the jokes th- about hunting are weird. It's like I'm. It's like I'm putting it up against the against the original. And in the original, mm-hmm. Chief was never a Chief was a good hunter. He was never the greatest hunter. The greatest hunter. Because great, if he was if he was the greatest hunter, then Copper couldn't be the greatest hunter. But he is a good enough hunter. He is a good enough hunter to kill a lot of stuff, so maybe fourth place is pretty freaking good for the Tri-County Fair. I need a, I need a, I need a backtrack up for it because I just forgot an amazing thing. So there is a moment in which Widow Tweed is yelling at Amos Slade and she says, you, like, that's all of my milk that you just lost. And Amos says, woman, I don't care about your dang milk. And Widow Tweed says, well, then maybe you'd like some pie to go along with it. (laughs) And throws a pie that she just baked right into his face. And it's like, she was definitely going to eat that. (laughs) And she made the decision that, no, this is a more worthy cause. No, she wasn't going to eat it. She was going to take it to the fair. Yeah, she was going to take it to the fair. So she had to make the decision that she still had enough time to make another pie. So... Chief and uh, Amos are at the fair, Widow Tweed's at the fair, and so Todd goes to Copper and is like, hey, we should go play, and Copper's like, I'm in trouble, I can't play. Todd's like, well, there, that, there's an easy solution to this, and takes his collar off, and they go to the fair. Mm-hmm. At which point we are introduced to the Singing Strays. Oh boy. Which is a five-dog band and a one-human who dream of one day singing in the Grand Ole Opry. They do dream of that. Now, before we go any further, I have a list of questions that went unanswered the whole movie. (laughs) Okay. About an all-dog singing group. Okay, hit me. What does a talent scout look for in them? And why? Is he headhunting to find dogs to sing Jingle Bells? Because that's basically the only dog song I know. Jingle Bell dog version. How does a dog quit a group that's run by a human? Uh Uh-huh. And why does everyone in this town 
let their dogs run loose in a county fair. Because nobody thinks it's weird that there is a little uh, basset puppy and a fox kit just like chilling. Hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Planning to go to the fireworks. Also, I have this other, I have this other note. The old dog does not have enough teeth left to eat that bone, and she will die without some real food. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, she needs, like, gravy or something. Like, just something she can swallow. She just needs a tube of liquid meat. Yeah, like, uh, like if you get some frozen ground beef, you just have some of that. So, real quick, by the way, um, there, there is a set of twin dogs, Waylon and Floyd. And they're Pete, Um, right? What? They're Pete. Pete, right? I don't know what you mean. Uh, Pete the Bulldog from uh, Mickey Mouse cartoons? I have no idea, actually. I, th- I think they're Pete. I'm pretty sure I picked that one out pretty early. Because these movies are now find the classic Disney voice actor for me. Yes, they are. And you'll be happy to note that this is Jim Cummings making his apparently mandatory voice acting role in a <laughs> Disney film. Like, I think he's required by Disney law, by blood oath, to voice a character in every one of their movies. Because he's in this one voicing two. Technically two, but they're the same. Technically, too. They're, yeah, they're, they're twin dogs. So Cash, who is voiced by none other than Patrick Swayze himself, <laughs> has great ambitions for this dog singing troupe of theirs. Yep. But And Dixie, who is their lead singer, quits the band because she feels like they, sh- they are above playing at state fairs. At which point I'm thinking, where else have you played? Where else would you go to see a troupe of singing dogs? I'll tell you where, Andy. The Grand, the Grand Ole, Ole Opry. Opry. That's where. I guess so. You don't think they've ever been in a recording studio? Because honestly, some dog had to do the uh, Jingle Bells song, right? That could be them. Yeah. So she quits and goes back to the uh, RV bus thing that they call home. And now (laughs) this troop of dogs has a big problem because they're supposed to be five and they just lost their lead singer. So what are they going to do? Well, they decide to just try and perform without her. Right. The show must go on. Yeah. So the ensuing musical number, which is a song called We're in Harmony, Mm -hmm. which is sung about three times in this movie. Yeah, I do believe it's the... Here's the thing, though. Yeah, that's a song about about them, though. Again, not about Copper or Todd. Yeah, that's, that's a song that's specifically about Cash and Dixie. It's just that uh, while they're performing, Copper happens to start singing and Cash thinks, hey, this kid's pretty good. And he just grabs him by the scruff of his neck. By the way, Copper's standing like, this is just an animation thing that I notice a lot. Copper's standing or sitting like five feet away from the stage. Yeah, he's like too far away and then suddenly he's not anymore. And yeah, and suddenly like Cash's head just appears above frame and grabs him by the scruff of his neck. And apparently he has like Mr. Fantastic powers. Because when he when it cuts to the stage, he just drops Copper off in the center of it. Like it ain't no thing. <laughs> but you know, like this is just a thing that happens in animation. So uh, yeah. I just just wanted to bring it up. It happens in The Lion King too, actually. What what are you thinking of? As as in, it happens in The Lion King. Oh, as, as well. well. Okay. What are you thinking of? Um, the scene in which Simba goes to talk to Nala, and his mom just picks him up. Yeah, I never noticed that about that scene that it uh that it does that cutaway thing. It's it's a common animation kind of trick, you know. Oh. 
Okay. But anyway. After this, Cash tries to recruit Copper to replace Dixie and is like, you are you are astray, right? Because that's like a big deal. Yeah, and it, and makes, Cop- it makes sense on a certain level because you don't, obviously yeah, dogs don't with owners won't let their dogs like run around the whole state or country or whatever. So. So. But it's like kind of weird because it's definitely like... Here's the problem for Copper. Ding, ding, ding. Not a stray. Circle But Todd, Todd being the amazing friend that he is. Todd's a giver. Says, well, yeah, he's a stray. He's a stray. Of course he's a stray. He doesn't even have a collar on. Everyone's like, yeah, you know, if he doesn't have a collar on, obviously that means he doesn't have an owner. At which point I'm like, none of you guys have collars. And you guys obviously have an owner. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's kind of also sort of like under them yeah so so there's a lot of build-up to these fireworks that copper will definitely miss right yeah cash tells todd hey you know what copper's gonna be big and you want to support your best friend so you could be part of his entourage <laughs> i did not find that funny when he said it but i, I find do. it funny now I... <laughs> <laughs> So Copper then ends up spending his entire day with Cash, in which we have another musical number, Hound Dog, I believe. Hound Dude. The name is Hound Dude, because Hound Dog is already a song. Hound Dude. Oh my god, that's terrible. Hound Dude. I kind of, I mean, I definitely noticed that while watching it, but having it spelled out for me like that. (laughs) So, oh yeah, and I just, and I just, I gotta say, I hate that the fireworks are such, are, are like the big thing, because dogs hate fireworks. I mean, okay, yes, they do. They're so loud, and dogs have such sensitive ears. I just, okay. It, it doesn't it doesn't matter it's just like this weird disconnect it, especially because it's a sequel to a movie where all the animals kind of act like animals you know that's yeah the this... whole, in fact that's the whole point they act as is natural to them even though they also want to act as is unnatural to them yeah but no not this this movie throws that out the window yep. pretty much instantly but I will say I liked the miss the fireworks montage more than yeah every other montage scene so so far because it doesn't depict a huge character change it's just he missed the fireworks yeah and and he obviously isn't even thinking about it like he's he's hanging out with this this dog who who he sees as like like a hero yeah this cool patrick swayze dog yeah like if i hung out if i was hanging out with dog patrick swayze i forget about my fox friends it happens you know <laughs> you don't just meet dog patrick swayze every day so maybe you do but how would you know yeah that's a good point because i don't speak dog i know that it, uh, I know that I never will meet Dog Patrick Swayze. I believe in you, Andy. I mean, Patrick Swayze died, so... You don't know that Dog Patrick Swayze died. That's a good point. Um, I don't know if Patrick Swayze had dogs, but... <laughs> We're getting a little bit off topic. A little bit. So, so Todd, Todd's pretty mucked up about the whole thing. And he's he's sitting there, like, cleaning dog bowls. Which, okay, like, how good of a friend is Todd? To be yeah, mad he's... that Copper missed his, like, their friend date, but he's still doing the job. He's still doing the job that was given to him. Todd is a great friend. And also, dogs don't need clean dog bowls. Or if they do need them, they don't think they need them. Which means it's a weird scene anyway. 
during this entire thing, um, Cash also pretty much fired Dixie, telling her, you know what, we've replaced you, mm-hmm. so whatever. And Dixie's very beaten up about this. But also, Dixie, like, right. loves Cash, so she's not too beat up that's, about it. She's just sad. kind of why she's beaten up about it, though, right? Because, I mean, she did kind of want... She didn't want to always be doing that stupid band forever, but she kind of did want to always be hanging out with Cash forever. Yeah. She just wanted a so, band that was better than that one. She... And she... So she obviously loves Cash, and she's really beaten up about it and sad, but it seems like the only way she can express her sadness when she's around Cash is with anger, which I totally understand. Mm -hmm. I've met people who do that. On the other hand, she can express her sadness in other ways around other characters. For instance, if she meets a fox cub, she might express it through song. So that takes us to our... Third? Is this our fourth musical number, I think, technically? And I don't know. I'd have to look it up, and I wasn't planning on it. It's our fourth, because there's the... Yeah, fourth. This is our fourth. So we, so here we get Depressed Dixie. That's the name of the song. Is It's just that. And the song is what the title intends. It's just Dixie singing about how sad she is. And her, and while after the song, Todd kind of mentions like, you know what? I'm just, me- I'm just, I'm just sad that Copper doesn't realize like how much I've done for him. You know, like cleaning all these dog bowls and shit. He's not even a stray. <laughs> and Dixie's like, <laughs> tell me more. Yes, she gets the, she gets the femme fit- allies. She knows what's up. She can break the dreams of a puppy. A plan is hatched between the two of them. Cut to Cash apparently just being a huge douchebag about the whole rehearsal thing. Oh my god, we haven't even been mentioning the subplot with the the talent scout and the little girl scout. <laughs> Which, that is that supposed to be a subplot. joke? Is that supposed to be a joke? Like, ah, ha, ha, she's a Girl Scout and he's a talent scout. I did not realize that was part of the, that was part of the joke. I feel like they're trying to make that part of the joke. But yeah, so keep in mind this entire time that there is a talent scout from the Grand Ole Opry being shepherded around by this little Girl Scout and getting into all sorts of off-screen shenanigans. Right, and all he really ever wants is to see these dogs, even if he doesn't know it. Yeah, his entire existence is is he's lamenting the fact that he hasn't seen dogs sing in his entire life. Right. And um, it's the one thing he needs. Also, this county fair has an elephant? Yeah. Which is odd for a county fair. Definitely illegal nowadays. I don't know if it always was, though. Oh my god, I just realized that this movie makes no fucking sense. Did you just realize that? Okay, no, but because in the original in the original Fox and the Hound movie, the movie takes place, like, pre-gas pedal. Like, these are cars that you have to crank to start up. You do crank them. This means that those movies had to take place, like, in the 30s or 40s, but this movie has a bus. Like, a 60s bus in it. Is it a 60s? bus? Maybe. Yeah, the bus that the dogs ride live, around in. Maybe they just live so far out in the country that no, that's, they never bothered to upgrade their cars. That That's, no, that's not a thing. Crank cars did not last very long. Andy, I'm trying to give the movie some credibility that it has not earned. Because <laughs> <laughs> here's another thing. Copper doesn't know where Todd is, right? Because Todd is off doing a secret plan. But, it's well established that Copper kind of always knows where Todd is. Or can, he can smell him. pretty much immediately find him because that's the point of the first movie a lot of plot holes in this movie is what we're saying listeners take note so are we gonna get to the plan or do you have something else to say about cash and his well cash is being a big old a big old poop head about the whole thing wow andy 
language. And he eventually goes to apologize to Copper, and Copper's, like, really sad that Todd's gone. But Cash eventually convinces him, hey, you know what? Where we're going, we don't need friends. And Copper's, like, on board with this. Like, you know what? Yeah, let's go practice some more. The next day, the talent scout shows up, and these dogs are about to perform, and Dixie sets her plan in motion, which I don't remember what the plan was. I will tell you. Okay. The plan involves another chase scene. One even bigger than the last. Yes, because that is the only way to get Amos to find out what Copper's up to, and therefore expose Copper as an owned dog. Um, unfortunately, this chase scene goes horribly wrong. Yeah, and the fact that th- that this particular chase has happened three times in Todd's childhood is unsettling in a lot of ways. Yeah, because the fourth time, the fourth time that this chase happens, bear ensues. <laughs> yeah, so like this isn't this is not a great chase. But uh, eventually, uh, the chase the chase ends with. I also have a note here that must have happened during this chase because it just says I am f- I am ninety four point three percent sure that that's not how Ferris wheels work. Yes, that was during the chase because this chase ends with the Ferris wheel rolling off of its stand somehow and into the barn where the dogs are singing. Yeah. Okay. Everything's ruined. The town scout is furious and he runs away crying. Right, and then one of the twin dogs says, why does it always rain when things go wrong? And I just I just wrote down, go home, Pete, you're self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing is, is Pete replies, I just don't know. <laughs> it's just... Jim Cummings acting against himself. Yes. Like always. Uh, Jim Cummings is, uh, is Jim Cummings' greatest enemy. Everyone I, knows I believe that. he is. He, uh, yes. Nega Jim Cummings is just Jim Cummings. <laughs> All right. They look the same. Yeah, that was a... Uh, what were we talking about again? We're idling up to the end of the movie. We're pretty close. We're getting there. We're getting Everything's there. Everything's gone to shit. Everything's gone to shit. Climax of the film. Everyone's super sad. Copper is super mad at... To- okay, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here, and it says, Copper is angry at the fox. And I'm like, whoa, wow. come on, this fox has a name. Wow, racist. Like, whoever wrote this Wikipedia article is like... Come on, guys. Like, just right is angry at Todd. We know who Todd is. So Todd tries to apologize to Copper, but Copper's super pissed, and he's like, I don't want to talk to you ever again, which is like, ha, not yet, you don't. (laughs) And Dixie is also trying to apologize, but Cash doesn't want to have any of it, and the band just kind of falls apart right then and there. Everyone's mad, everyone's sad, and it's raining. End movie. Roll credits. Unless... Also, um, Widow Tweed just finds Todd at the fair and picks him up and takes him home without thinking, why is my fox all the way the fuck out here? Yeah, but, like, throughout his entire childhood, she just let him run around, so... That's a good point. It's not that crazy. She's just kind of like, oh no. Dixie goes and apologizes to Copper, saying, hey, you know what, this was all my idea. Don't get too mad at, uh, at Todd about it. And so Copper goes to Todd, and they're both like, you know what, we're both being super dumb. We should never be mad at each other ever again. <laughs> this fucking at which point movie. I was like, not yet you don't. <laughs> this fucking movie. I'm like again, if you've never seen the Fox and the Hound, these moments are very cute. But having just seen the Fox and the Hound, dun, they're dun, very dun. like there needs to be like thunder and like a dramatic string being plucked every time. 
He definitely should have run away with that dog, uh, with the dog band. Oh my god, their lives would have been so much better, though. Mm-hmm. So, they go track down, the, uh, Todd goes to Dixie and set no, goes to Cash in the band and says, Dixie's in trouble, she needs your help. Mm-hmm. No, Copper has to do that, right? Does Copper do that? I think Copper yeah. has to do that, because Todd definitely so, has to be the one to fetch Dixie. Yeah, mm, yes, yes, you're yeah. correct. So Copper goes, tells Cash that Dixie's in trouble, and no, wait... No, 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 no. Todd goes to Cash. Really? Okay. Yes. Todd goes to Cash, tells him Dixie's in trouble. Cash is like, what? We gotta go find her. And Todd's like, we're going this way. Meanwhile, Copper is trying to track down the talent scout. So once Todd and the rest of the band meet up with Copper, Copper leads them to the talent scout. And then Todd goes and gets Dixie and tells her that Cash is in trouble. And they both just like sprint over there and they're like, who's in trouble? We're both in trouble. But nobody's in trouble. And then all of the adults yeah. stare at the kids. It's like, a, it's like a parent trap moment. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's a very parent trap moment. I can't remember the song from a parent trap. I was about to start singing it, and I, I just don't know. Something, something so, together. I think we missed a musical interlude, by the way. I think there's a, I think there's a song that's sung when everyone's sad, but I don't There remember. probably was a sad musical number. That's too bad. We'll never know now. Copper gives this little speech about how we're all friends. Why can't we just sing together? And everyone's right. like, this dog makes a good point. Which is pretty freaking sneaky, BT dubs. Because Copper's like, we're all friends, but really there's a talent scout. But let's just sing. Yeah, let's just sing together. Let's just sing like there's, let's just sing like there's nobody listening. Let's just sing like, uh, like your futures don't depend on it. Exactly. Like, let's just sing like we're best friends. And so everyone starts singing the third, the third iteration of We're in Harmony, the reprise. And they're just singing their hearts out. And Todd just opens the door to this. They're in front of a diner, by the way. A 60s style diner. You're right. They jumped forward like 30 years. They really did. Opens the door to this diner and the talent scout's sitting right in front of the door. And he's like, I've never heard dogs sing before. This This is the most amazing thing I've heard in my life. This is what I've, this was what my life was leading up to. This is a sad, strange old man. I'm a, I'm Doug Dimmodome. <laughs> owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. And I've never heard Doc sing before. It's not even a before. joke, it's just a reference. Yeah, no, that's, he, he looks exactly the same, by the way. <laughs> like, just to let, let people know why I made that joke. This character looks exactly like the, that character. It's he's, very he's unsettling. A, he's got exactly the same hat as Doug Dimmodome. Everyone makes up, and he's like, we're gonna get these docs to sing at the Grand old Opry and Cash mm-hmm. turns to Copper and says, you know, if you want to join us, you can join us. We could just leave. Right. Despite the fact that he does have an owner and Cash is yeah. breaking his own rule there. But yeah, basically he doesn't. Yeah, Copper Copper is thinking, you know what? I can't leave my best friend behind because we're going to be best dun, friends dun. forever. <laughs> and decides not to not to go. This is the closest we're going to get to a Halloween episode, by the way. This, <laughs> this shockingly is, dark light movie. Is there even like a, a is there even like a Disney movie that's Halloween esque with the sequel? I was I was thinking I was thinking we could uh, if we were going to do a Halloween episode, which we definitely can't because of how crazy the schedule has been. That we could uh, break tradition and do like a Scooby Doo. Oh man, the live uh, action one. 
Maybe? I don't know. It doesn't matter if there are a lot of Scooby-Doo movies to pick from, but... God, they're insane, and I've seen on most of them. But probably, if you if you had to go for a really Halloween-esque Disney movie, um, and you can't do Nightmare Before Christmas because there's only one of those, you could probably make it work with Hunchback. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the list, and I can't... None of them are Halloween-y at all. That was uh, that was an unnecessary breakaway from the falling action of the movie. Yeah, so the movie kind of just ends there. Mm-hmm. The credits of this movie are another song. I don't remember what song it is though. I think it's I think it's Friends for Life again. I'm not actually sure. This movie didn't have to exist. <laughs> Here's the thing: there's no reason for this movie to be a Fox and the Hound movie. Yeah this this movie could have easily been an Air Buddies movie. Yeah, like song buddies, singing buddies, cow buddies. No, there's gotta be a there's gotta be an air bud air buddies movie where they're cowboys. <laughs> Why does there have to be that? It's such a low it's such a low uh bar to hit. No, there isn't. So the so yes, the Fox and the Hound two did not need to exist. I'm glad it exists. This movie apparently has influenced my life more than I know. On the other hand, the word entourage, the world could have gone without that. I I don't know. I feel like it's really defined me as a person. Mm. I feel like a lot of listeners, once they heard me say entourage, were like, we know exactly what kind of person this is. <laughs> so you're saying that um I can blame this movie for you. Yes, okay. I believe so. <laughs> a quick note before we get to our kind of final conclusion about this film. This movie is 69 minutes long. Whoa, that sex number. <laughs> is that it? Is that your note? He's a crap. Yeah, no, that's it. That was my note. <laughs> we don't do that. Kind I just of felt comedy. like it was important to know. <laughs> I'll, cu- I'll I'll fix it in post. <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so why don't you start off? What did we think of this movie? I love it. I love this movie. And if you need something, I bet you could pick up this movie for like a dollar somewhere. If you want a movie that's okay to show to kids, and you're also okay with your kids singing country western music, this movie's made for you. Here's the thing. Uh, this isn't a bad movie. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. But it didn't, like you said, it didn't need to be made. There didn't. This didn't need to be a Fox and the Hound movie. That's my biggest complaint about it. Yeah, this this movie, the only reason this movie is a Fox and the Hound movie is because that's a movie with dogs. Why wasn't this a Lady in the Tramp movie? Yeah, oh, you can't that's have country western music in London. That's insane. Lady in the Tramp I feel like they could have excused it somehow. You mean Lady in the Tramp and yeah. 101 Dalmatians take place in the same city? And there's no crossover? Okay, wait. Shit. Let me. Okay, wait. Now I need to check because now I'm not sure. I feel like 101 Dalmatians like I'm wrong. is in London, isn't it? I'm, no, maybe I'm. Maybe. It is. 101 Dalmatians is definitely in London because it's Scamp's London Adventure. Right. Unless he went to London. I'm trying to find out where this movie takes place. No, you know what? The Lady and the Tramp takes place okay. in the Midwest. So in this theory. could have been a Lady and the Tramp movie. I seem to recall Lady and Tramp 2 being not good anyway. Well, we're, we'll find uh, out eventually. eventually. Right? <laughs> right now we should figure out. Um, I forget because it's been so long and I did not go back to listen to one of our older podcasts before I started this like I usually do. Yeah. Do we wrap up first or do we say the next movie we're doing first? We, we, we wrap up and then we say the next movie and then we eventually end the podcast sure, at some perfect. point. Uh, in that case, thanks so much for listening. I have been Tony Robusto. Wait, what? What are you doing? We haven't picked the next movie yet. Okay, we can pick the next movie first. I thought you said that we wrap up first. No, 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 no. We wrap up 
Oh, on, oh on, okay. Okay, real yeah, big no, miscommunication right. here. You know what? That's that's at least half my bad. Um, whose turn is it? Uh, your turn. Okay. It is your turn. Um, I kind of want to do one of the Stitch movies, but I'm not sure how we're going to do multiple sequels yet. So maybe I'll do something a little bit easier. Yeah. Disney direct to video sequels. Which means I'm also not doing the Aladdin movies. Oh, here's one we can try. Hercules Zero to Hero. What is that? Um, I honestly, I have never heard of it. I cannot find this. this 1999 a... direct-to-video follow-up. Oh, it serves as the pilot to the animated series. Okay, so that's not... But... That's weird, because Kronk's New Groove is... Kronk's New Groove feels like what that sounds... What that is described as, but Kronk's New Groove is listed as an actual sequel. So you want to do that? Yeah, why don't we why don't we hit that one? All right, okay. This one's probably going to be weird <laughs> to find. It's it, it, um, it kind I don't... of sounds like you can just watch three episodes of the television series. I do not remember there being a Hercules animated series. Uh, I remember it for the reason that they once did an Aladdin crossover, and apparently I don't remember this, but I remember somebody talking about it in the Aladdin crossover. So the Aladdin series starts after Return of Jafar. So Jafar's dead. Yeah. So Hades teams up with him in the afterlife. <laughs> which I kind of love. Oh my goodness. Really mixing up your, uh... Yeah, you know, I'm sure they made it work. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They got, um... They got James yeah. Woods' as Hades. Hey! So... They're doing something right. But... It, I mean, he's no he's no Patrick Swayze, so... That's true. Know. He's not Patrick Swayze. All right. Now do you want to wrap up? I think now we can wrap up. Yes, now we can end the podcast. Okay. Oh, forever oh, well, oh. we're never coming back this is the oh. final episode so <laughs> um so thanks for listening to direct video i have been tony robusto and i have been andy reyes now here's the thing i'm breaking up the th- here's the thing though we gotta say our twitter handles so how do we oh, right, how right, do we right, manage right. that well you can find me at royalty underscore valens Right, he says the underscore because it's important. The underscore is very important. People don't realize how important underscores are. And you can find me at Theater Bats, Theater E-R, and you can find the podcast at direct2.video. That's a really good URL. I'm glad you managed to snatch that. Thank you. I thought it was great, too. And I was waffling over whether or not I actually wanted to get it. And I was like, no, it's I have to. It's too good. And uh, next time we will be reviewing... Here's the thing. There is a distinct possibility that the next episode you listen to will be Kronk's New Groove. (laughs) But the next time we record... uh, Oh my god, that's right. Yeah, because we say it at the end. Um, The next time we record, it's going to be Hercules Zero to Hero. And then it's also possible that before you hear this... You're going to get a bit, you're going to get like a, something that we record later as a bit of a teaser or after this. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) So what we're saying is keep your ears open because uh, anything could be a surprise now. And your mind open because we want to touch your hearts, listeners. Apparently we're going to like enter through your mind and then go down and into your heart. Yeah. And touch it. It's the easiest way to your heart. Is through your mind. Right. Actually through the stomach because you got to go under the rib cage. Well, that got dark. (laughs) It's a line from maybe a Terry Pratchett book. It doesn't matter. Goodbye. Thank you for listening.
Listen, Tony, the Airbud cinematic universe is diverse indeed. <laughs> that being said, there has not been an Airbud movie uh, in three years, and I hope that number only continues to grow. <laughs> like, you started cutting out, but not in a way that I couldn't hear your voice. You were just talking very slowly, and you're like, <laughs> the Airbud cinematic universe. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm dying now. I'm dying. Oh, man.